Hi, I'm Joseph Feraldi. I want to thank you for joining us here at Bayside Chapel Online. Our prayer is that today's service will be a blessing to you, that it will encourage you in your journey with Jesus Christ, and it will help you to see all that God has in store for you. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to bless you, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Just send us an email at amen at baysidechapel.org. Remember that you can stay in touch with us at any time. Just visit the App Store and search for our app at Bayside Chapel of NJ. Also, if God is using this ministry to bless you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Simply go online to BaysideChapel.org or use the Bayside Chapel app and choose whatever option works best for you. Enjoy today's message. The title of today's message will have significant meaning when it comes to the application of today's text. Sometimes we write sermons, we try to get a title that might be catchy. Maybe it has good alliteration, maybe it rhymes. <laughs> but today's message is titled simply because it's the simple truth. The message is titled, War in Heavenly Places. Did you know that you are living in the middle of a war? It's a war that doesn't involve fighter pilots or tanks or military personnel. It's a war that doesn't make the headlines of the news. It's a war that you won't even read about in history books. You won't study this war in school. You won't hear leaders of nations address it. And sometimes you won't even hear it talked about in churches. But it's a war that's been going on since the beginning of time. It's a spiritual war that has been going on in the spiritual realm. It's a mortal combat between heaven and earth. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're sitting in a theater and you're going to watch a play. And the curtain is drawn across the stage. And you're waiting. Maybe you have your friends and family with you. You're looking forward to the show. And you begin to see a little bit of movement behind the curtain. Maybe you see a couple feet scatter across, some shadows, some signs of life, if you will, that there's something behind the curtain. All of a sudden, the curtain opens. You see the actors. You see the set design. You see all the mechanics and everything that needs to be shown in order for the play to happen. And just as you begin to focus your eyes on what you're looking at, the curtain closes again. You know what you saw, but you wish that you had a better glimpse. You see, that's what happens today in our passage in Daniel chapter 10. It's a peek behind the curtain. Daniel is given rare insight into the things that are normally visible, normally invisible. It's a view from the seen to the unseen, from the visible to the invisible, from the natural to the supernatural. If you have your Bibles, if you're a good Christian, we'll begin today's study in Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 1. And we'll separate today's chapter in three different sections. The first thing I want us to do is look at the background of Daniel, because whenever we read God's word, it is important that we read it in context. Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was of great conflict. 
And he understood the word and had an understanding of the vision. You see, this chapter begins on a chronological note. There's some history here that helps us set up the importance of what's going to happen. It says that Daniel receives this revelation during the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. So that's 536 B.C. 536 B.C. is an important date because that is when the Israelites were freed from captivity in Babylon. Remember, they just spent the last 70 years, over 50,000 of them were captive in Babylon. And God set them free. And so these Israelites are making their way back to Israel. But Daniel wasn't with them. Now, it could be for two reasons. One could be because of Daniel's old age. Remember that when Daniel was taken into captivity, he was a teenager. Well, 70 years have gone by. He's in his mid-80s now. And that's a pretty big journey to go back to Israel from Babylon. And so maybe Daniel just wasn't up for it. Maybe he wasn't feeling good that day. Or maybe, which is the second reason that we see, is maybe it's because God still had work for Daniel to do in Babylon. So we see here in verse 10 this great vision. It's the final big vision of the book of Daniel. And in fact, Daniel 10, 11, and 12 really help sum it up. So look at Daniel 10 really as an introduction to the vision. Daniel 11 is the vision itself. And Daniel 12 is the aftermath of the vision. So Daniel gets this vision. And it's a vision that is overwhelming. Check this out in verse 2. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself with oil at all for the full three weeks. Three weeks. No food, no drinking, no anointing. The King James Version says no lotions instead of no anointing, which means he didn't shower or use deodorant. Now, I spent the last seven years working with middle school and high school students. I know what a middle school boy smells like in three days with no deodorant. I cannot know what an 80-year-old man would smell like after three weeks. He didn't change his clothes. He didn't do anything. He was broken over what was going to happen. And at the end of these three weeks of praying and fasting, Daniel stands at the banks of the Tigris River, and this is where God meets him. Chapter 10, verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, the man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude." So Daniel's standing there, he gets this vision, this appearance of this man, and this man is like no other. He's got this belt of fine gold. He's got uh, a body like a barrel. Now, for some of us, including myself, people have told us that we have bodies like a barrel. That's not what this passage means. It's B-E-R, come on, it'll get to you, B-E-R-Y-L, which is a gemstone similar to an emerald. So it was used here to say his body was like precious stone, perfect. And his face was like lightning and his eyes flaming torches. 
Where have you heard that before? Revelation chapter 1. John says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstand, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. Clearly, this is an appearance of Jesus Christ. And what does Daniel do in response? Verse 7, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face. In deep sleep with my face to the ground. Daniel falls on his face, which is the same thing we see happen to so many people throughout Scripture in the presence of Jesus. See, I believe what Daniel experiences here is what theologians call a Christophany. A Christophany is an appearance of Jesus outside of the timeline of the New Testament. So we know that Jesus was born in the Virgin Mary. He lived a life. He was 100% God, 100% man, 200% Jesus. But Jesus has been there since the beginning. You see, in short, this is so special because this happens around 530 BC, 530 before Christ. 500 years before Christ would actually walk on earth as a man. You see, Jesus didn't just show up in the story in Bethlehem. In the manger. Jesus was there since the beginning. In fact, Genesis chapter 1, when God creates the world, it says that the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. And it said that God decided to make man. And the Bible says that God decided to make man. And when they created man, they wanted to create man in our image. God created them. And so we see this plurality. We know that Jesus was there at creation. That's why Jesus was and is and is to come. Amen? Amen. He always was there. He is there and he always will be there. So Daniel's overwhelmed. He wasn't expecting this. And he passes out. And suddenly, there's a touch on his shoulder. Check this out in Daniel chapter 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. And so we see this Christophany, we see this appearance of Jesus, but then the chapter turns and there's this other figure, I believe an angel was sent by God to Daniel at this moment, and this angel places his hand on Daniel's shoulder and says, your prayers have been heard from the moment you prayed them 
21 days ago. Some of us think God hasn't heard our prayers because we haven't seen an answer. God has heard your prayers from the moment you prayed them, whether it was 21 days ago, two months ago, 20 years ago. God has heard your prayers from the moment you've prayed them. He tells them that the reason it took so long was because of demonic opposition between heaven and earth. That's an answer that Daniel wasn't expecting. You mean it's not because I didn't go to church enough? You mean it's not because I didn't give? You mean it's not because I'm still messing up in my life? No, no, no. The angel says to Daniel, it's not because of you. It's because there's a battle going on that you can't see that has to be completed in order for these prayers to be answered. You see, the angel says that he's been battling this prince, this prince of the kingdom of Persia. It must have been some kind of demonic force that was assigned by Satan to serve in the court of the Persian king. And evidently his job was to hinder God's work and discourage God's people. You know, that's always Satan's job, to hinder God's work and discourage God's people. God will never discourage you. That is a lie from the enemy. If you're discouraged today, it's not from God. It's from an enemy that wants to seek, kill, and destroy you. He can't stop you from God working in your life, but he can discourage you, and he can certainly delay you. So who shows up in this battle? A guy named Michael, an angel named Michael. Michael, the archangel. So many of you know who he is. And in fact, we find out in Daniel 12 that Michael's job was Michael was assigned to the nation of Israel. And he shows up and he intervenes. Are you guys still with me? Hearing all this, Daniel's broken. He's confused, but he's also amazed. Check this out in verse 15. When he had spoken to me, according to these words, I turned my face towards the ground and was mute. And behold, one of the likeness of the children of man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and spoke. And I said to him who stood before me, O oh my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Daniel is speechless. And the angel responds, Again, one having the appearance of man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. And then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return and fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what's inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. So at the end of this chapter, the angel reveals to Daniel even more information. He gives him a deeper a picture behind the curtain. He tells them that there is more warfare to come. How many of you have been through something? You've been through something? And how many of you could testify, just because I've been through something doesn't mean I'm never going to go through anything else? Come on. There's another battle to come. And so this angel returns to the prince of Persia because he's still fighting him. And he says, oh, by the way, the prince of Greece is coming too, and he's just as bad. And Daniel Learn that even two years ago, Michael showed up to fight a battle on his behalf that he had no idea was happening. This is so mysterious to us. But, it is, but if it is to be taken literally, as it tells, 
It's got to be taken literally because it tells of, us, us of unusual things going on in the invisible realm where demon and angels duke it out to promote or destruct God's work in the world. Now, maybe for you, you're like, wow, this is like way over my head. Check out this verse. This might help you. Ephesians chapter 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I want to remind you this morning that your battle is not against humans. Sometimes we focus on the immoral, the corrupt, the godless politicians, the corrupt leaders, the drug dealers, the murderers, the abusers, as if they are the source of our problems, but in fact, they are just people who are submissive to powerful spiritual forces that they know nothing about. They're in service to evil beings who influence them in ways they do not realize. This verse teaches us that there's various kinds of demonic powers. They're rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world. They're spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. And it's not, the Bible's not quite clear about how we should differentiate between them, but perhaps it's just good enough for us to know that there are various types of angels and various types of demons. Daniel 10 may be unusual, but remember, it's just a peek behind the curtain. Spiritual warfare is not new, but territorial spirits is something that's brought up in this passage for us for the first and only time in Scripture. In Cordoba, Argentina... 200 youth with a mission missionaries gathered from around the world to share the gospel with fans at the World Cup. But no one really cared. No one wanted to listen to the good news. They didn't want to read the Spanish tracts that they had prepared for them. They didn't want to listen to the sermons. And so the missionaries decided to devote a day to prayer and fasting. And in that meeting, God revealed that Satan was not only just busy with the individuals, but that he had immersed himself into the very culture that they were trying to reach. Cordoba was known to be a prideful city. It was very sophisticated. It was fashion conscious and materialistic. And people clung to their values of position, possessions, and appearance. The missionaries discerned that the only way for this territorial spirit to end would be for pride to be overcome by humility. And so they scattered themselves throughout the whole mall and they dropped down on their knees and they began praying with their foreheads to the cobblestone in full view of those who passed them by. And breakthrough came. Large crowds gathered to watch and listen. People took tracks and eagerly even asked them to, have, to be autographed by the missionaries. John Dawson, their leader, preached in the plaza of St. Martin, and people in the crowd dropped to their knees, accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. So although this chapter in Daniel gives us a peek behind the curtain, it's going to leave us with some questions. And so I want to divide the rest of our time here today in two sections. The first is things that we don't know for certain, and then things that we can be sure about. Things that we don't know for certain, and things that we can be sure about. The first is the things that we don't know for certain. And there's many questions that we cannot fully answer. For example, what happened during these 21 days of battle between the angel and the prince of Persia? In my mind, I see WWE SmackDown. <laughs> do, the angels and, do the other angels and demons show up to watch? Is there a concession stand? Do they have signs like, go Michael? 
And I, and I could see in this thing, it, it's a SmackDown event. It's the Prince of Persia versus the unnamed angel. And they're duking it out. And then all of a sudden, the whole room goes black and the music changes. And it all lights up when there's pyrotechnics and out comes running. Here comes the Archangel Michael. And he comes up and he slides under the ropes and body slams the demon. I have issues, but I just thought it'd be a good illustration. <laughs> Listen, I'm sure that's probably not what it looks like, but it gives you an image of what it could look like. And maybe the truth is that we don't actually know what spiritual war looks like. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe if we knew the answer, we wouldn't want to know the answer. You might have other questions. Are angels and demons organized? Well, it's clear that there's ranks, right? There's clear that there's ranks in both angels and demons. There's a hierarchy of authority and power. But again, Scripture doesn't talk much about this, so don't get hung up on it. And finally, we would like to know if angels and demons are assigned to every nation on earth. Because you have Michael, who's the angel over Israel. You have this Prince of Persia guy who's the demon assigned to Persia. And you have the Prince of Greece, who's another demon assigned there. And some writers will carry this as far to say that there's a demon under every rock, that there's a demon assigned to every city, town, street, home, school, office, and business. They claim the reality of territorial spirits and the importance of identifying them and calling them out. But outside of Daniel 10, guys, there's no other passage in the Bible that tells us about a spirit being assigned to a specific place. We don't know how far to take this. It could be true that there are demons assigned to every street and perhaps every home, but there's no way to be sure. Evidently, though, it's not an important issue. Otherwise, we would know more about it. So don't get hung up on that. The reality is, is that there is a spiritual battle. There's behind the curtain, but there's a reason there's a curtain. It wouldn't always benefit us to see what's going on. What about guardian angels? Many people believe that an angel is assigned to each person on earth, or at least to each believer. And there might be some truth to that. In fact, I think we all have many guardian angels, and some of us probably have an entire battalion because of all the trouble we get ourselves into. <laughs> I have mentioned what we don't know that we wish we knew in order to bring up an important point. Whenever we read a passage like Daniel 10, it's easy to go off on a tangent. Either we dismiss it as superstition or we go off the deep end and we obsess over the supernatural. Both extremes are wrong. The principle we should follow is this. The only thing that we can know for sure about the spiritual realm are the things clearly revealed to us in the word of God. Everything else is speculation. It's important not to go beyond scripture at any point with respect to the demonic. As Christians, we believe the Bible tells us everything we need to know about the spiritual world. And everything in the Bible is true. There's no other authoritative source for information regarding angels and demons. That means do not take your theology on angels and demons from movies or TV shows. Don't believe every preacher you see on the internet. Always test what you hear from the word of God. Our only authority in the spiritual realm is the Bible itself, not human experience. We should believe everything the Bible says. As long as this is important to us, sorry, along this line is important to remember that Daniel wouldn't have known anything about the conflict of the prince of Persia unless the angel told him. Remember, Daniel didn't pray for this. God, show me what's going on. Angel shows up after 21 days of prayer and fasting, 
and tells him about it. He had no idea of this supernatural struggle until the angel revealed it to him. There's a story in the South Pacific of a guy named John Patton. He was a missionary. And him and his family set up on an island to minister to a native people group. And they had a mission station. It was their home. It was where they lived. It's where people came to meet with them. And John and his wife found one time a knock on his door. He comes outside and his mission station is surrounded by tribal warriors. They have torches. They have spears. They're shouting at John and his wife. They're saying that they're going to burn the house down with them inside of it. And John and his wife gather in the kitchen and they pray all night that God would deliver them. When daylight comes, no one's there. A year later, they haven't heard a thing. A chief of the tribe accepts Jesus Christ. And remembering what had happened, John sits him down and says, uh, what kept you guys from burning down our house and killing us? And the chief responds, well, I have a question for you. Who are all those men with you? Patton knew no men were present, but the chief said he was afraid to attack because as his warriors arrived, they saw hundreds of big men with shining garments, drawn swords, circling his home. Here's the second part. Things we can be sure about. As we wrap up this message, it's important for us to figure out what we can learn from Daniel 10. And if you didn't know this, statistics tell us that 99% of Christians who take notes in church get a bigger house in heaven. So pay attention over the next five points. It's very important, okay? Here's the first thing. The prayers of believers are immediately heard by God. Some of you need to know this and believe it today. The prayers of believers are immediately, when? Immediately heard by God. The moment you pray, God hears you. Doesn't matter if you shout it from the rooftops or whisper it in the quietness of your seat. God hears your prayer. Second, unseen spiritual warfare may at times delay the answer to our prayers. What happened to Daniel could happen for you. It might be your deepest, most sympathetic, heartfelt prayer to God. And it might be delayed because of static behind the curtain. I believe this often happens when we pray about God's work on earth, that we pray for our friends like Pastor Niku in the church in Romania as they minister to our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, as we pray for the gospel to reach unreached people groups, as we pray for new churches to be planted throughout our state. When we pray for those things that push forward the mission of God, there's no surprise that Satan doesn't like that because every one of those prayers is an attack against his plan. Satan hates that kind of praying. Number three, wrestling in prayer is exhausting work. Daniel fasted for 21 days to seek God's face. And he fell on his face by the Tigris River and he bowed to the ground totally exhausted. Spiritual warfare is a serious business. This is war. You are locked in a battle against spiritual forces that are beyond all human comprehension. Number three. Number four. If we could see the invisible, we would be amazed at the forces of good and evil around us. 
Daniel 10 tells us that, the moment of men, that at that moment, men and nations have, uh, have unseen spiritual forces at work. No one could have known simply by looking at the Persian court that there was this demonic influence. But when the curtain is pulled back, we see angels and demons battling against each other while human leaders are completely oblivious to what's going on. You see, Satan often uses his demons to influence governmental leaders to turn against the people of God. This was true in Persia and in Greece. It's true in Barnegat and Trenton and Washington. This chapter proves that Satan does not believe in the separation of church and state. He has no problem using his evil minions to harass and hinder the work of God in the world. If only we could see beyond the visible. If only we knew what actually surrounded us. Remember that time that you were driving home from work? and you decided to take a different direction than you usually go, you decided to go the long way that day, that time that you were really, really running behind for an appointment, and you get in the car, and your son or daughter, they call you, and now you're even five minutes more behind, the time you walk out and your tire's flat, where your schedule gets messed up, what if instead of a curse, that was actually God's blessing you? That time you took a detour, you were avoiding being struck by a drunk driver, you would have never known. If only we knew. That's why this story is so crucial to us, because it reminds us just because we can't see something doesn't mean it's not there. If for one second we could truly see with the eyes of God, we would see a multitude of supernatural beings, both angels and demons, all around us. Here's the last thing I want to leave you with, and it's the chief weapons for spiritual warfare. Humility, prayer, knowledge, and perseverance. Humility, prayer, knowledge, and perseverance. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Our part is to walk humbly before God, to seek his pray face in prayer, to grow in knowledge from the word of God, and to persevere in faithfulness no matter how tough the times might be. That is God's word for us today. What if Daniel stopped praying at day 20? What about day five? Because they didn't hear from God, but just because you don't hear from him doesn't mean he's not working on it. Are you under the attack today from the enemy? Then don't give up. Do you feel like quitting? Don't give up. Are you fighting for your marriage today? Don't give up. Are you trying to be strong in the face of temptation? Don't give up. Do you face criticism for what you know is right? Don't give up. Are you tempted to quit? Then don't give up. Because you don't know what God is doing behind the scenes, behind the curtain. He hears your prayers from the moment you pray for them. Remember, when all this is over, when we no longer have to fear sickness or disease, when there's no more wars or violence, there's no more addiction or abuse, when there's no more recession or poverty, when there's no more hunger or depression, when we don't have to fear losing our jobs, our loved ones, and we don't have to wonder what tomorrow brings, when the day is done, you will be standing on the side of victory. So never give up. 
Never stop praying. Never stop seeking God to move in your life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that although there's a battle that we cannot see with our own eyes, that you have full control. We thank you, God, that the victory is yours and that we just get to partake in it. We're thankful, God, that we're not alone today, but that your Holy Spirit gives us comfort. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.